Well, hello, and welcome to Enroute, the podcast where we talk about life along the way. I'm Dennis Sanders, and I'm your host. Make sure that you take a chance to visit the website, enroutepodcast.org, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via RSS, so that you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you've found any value in this show, if it's something you see here, some um, good things that you want to let people know about, we would really appreciate a rating, um, especially if you're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, that helps other people to find this podcast. Or simply tell a friend about this show. That would help us out too. So this time around, I actually don't have uh, a guest. Um, I hope to have some coming in the near future. But um, this week I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the church, especially in my neck of the woods, mainline Protestantism, some of the things that I've been experiencing, um, and also some things I've heard from others that I wanted to share. Um, for many people who know, um, mainline Protestantism has been through a rough <laughs> few decades um, of losing membership, uh, fewer and fewer churches. And so everyone is trying to figure out why. Why is that happening? And, and sometimes what happens is people really don't want to face that. Um, they'd rather either say it's just that culture has changed. And, you know, some of that is true. Culture has changed. We are not the kind of church culture that we used to be. So, of course, there are going to be less people um, going to church. But I think that there is something more going on. And um, the answer also, I mean, you know, I think people on the left or people especially within mainline churches, will say it's culture. Culture is what's really driving this. Um, there's not a whole lot that we can do. There is another excuse on the other side. Um, more conservatives would say, well, it's because of your liberal politics, especially on LGBTQ issues. Um, and I think that both of those are not true. There is something deeper going on. I do think it's self-inflicted, but it's not simply, A, that it's the changing culture and we're becoming more secular, so there's not much we can do, or B, everything's ruined because you like the gays. I just don't buy that. Of course, I'm biased because I'm gay, but, you know, I just I think that that's too simple of an explanation. But I do want to kind of share, to kind of share what I think is going on, I need to start with how I've been feeling about uh, pastoring my congregation lately. Um, Our church opened back up to uh, public worship in early May. Uh, That was the first time actually we had been inside worshiping. We, We have had some outdoor worship services but um, to have one inside for in 14 months. 
Um, since we've opened, sometimes on Sundays, it has been hard for me to go to church, to be at church. And I think part of it is just a, it's hard to manage expectations. Um, as a congregation, I, the pastor, the church that I pastor um, in suburban St. Paul hasn't really grown a whole lot in the years that I've been there, and it's not for not trying. And that's been even worse in the time after um, COVID, though we're still in COVID. But since we've opened up, um, we have, and sometimes in some cases, fewer people showing up for church. Um, in the past, we would have people who would visit, but they would never stay. Um, now, we even have people who were members who, um, some are, are not coming for, for, for important reasons. So I don't want to make it sound like no one's coming, but others... I think got used to not being in church or at least not being in our congregation and have decided to move on. Um, so all of that has just been kind of weighing on me and it weighs on me a lot, but especially on, on Sunday mornings. And it made me kind of think a lot about church and over the last eight years, I feel like in some ways I haven't done what I really should be doing. And I think as a pastor, what I have not been doing is telling people why church matters and why people need to belong to a church community and basically why they need Jesus. And the funny thing is that I don't think I'm doing that as a bad, that makes me a bad, because I'm not doing this makes me, doesn't make me a bad pastor. In fact, I think I've been a pretty good mainline Protestant pastor. And I think the reason I say that is because I think one of the problems within mainline Protestantism over the last few years is that we've internalized certain beliefs that in many ways has taken the fire out of the faith. I think we're, Especially, I feel we, we have an unhealthy obsession with fundamentalism and evangelicalism to the point that we don't really share our faith. Um, everything becomes a reaction to what fundamentalists and evangelicals are doing. And so we don't talk that much about sin. Um, we don't talk about the need for grace. In fact, sometimes we talk a lot about how special we are and how, you know, that we're loved. And, and that's true. But the thing about God's love is that God loves us in spite of us being messed up. Um, but we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about grace. We don't want to talk about the fact that none of us is okay. We don't really want to even talk about why it is important to be part of a faith community. And 
I think ultimately what we've done is said it has internalized a faith that I think doesn't require much from people. And a faith that doesn't require much basically is not going to be a faith that lasts long because if you're not requiring anything, then people can just be there for a while and go on their own way. Now, of course, I don't need to say this, but I, I will say it. I am not advocating for some kind of, that we all need to become ultra-conservative. But we have told ourselves, especially in mainline Protestantism, that we need to water down our faith so that it is not evangelical. And the result is, I think, a passionless and colorless faith. A fellow pastor of mine um, shared something a while but recently that, and it was a, a, a post that he saw, and I saw it too, um, of pastors. And this was a pastor of a, a church, the uh, United Church of Christ, and then my own denomination, the Disciples of Christ. And wondered, can people be a part of, join a church and not be baptized? And the reason that he, this person was suggesting that is because someone that they knew or that had gone through just really bad um, experiences with church and maybe if we do this, that'll just make it more acceptable. And the person that I first had saw this was very upset about it because, of course, baptism is such an important aspect of the faith. Um, it, it really is the entrance right. And to not have it to kind of, you know, do away with it. And to kind of say that it's not a problem to do away with it is, is somewhat troubling, because then what is the purpose of the faith? And I've seen that ultimately a time and time again. People have said that there have been people who come from bad church experiences, so then that we have to kind of decontent the faith so that they can be in a church. And I don't want to make light of people who have been hurt by church. Again, I bring up my sexuality because there have been a lot of people who have been hurt by church because of their sexuality. But there has to be a way of sharing our faith and sharing all of our faith in a way that is non-threatening and without us having to lose our sense of integrity. Because I feel that is what we're doing, is losing our sense of integrity. And the end result is not that to me that there are going to be more people coming to the church. It's going to be less. The end result is empty pews. Now, none of this is saying that if we do this, that we'll get all the people coming to church. That's not really the point here. The point is, people who come to church are looking for something, something that they lack in their lives. And we have something that we can give them. And it seems too often we are too, share, too scared to give that to people. A while back, I was looking, uh, found an article that was written actually around 20 years ago from a pastor 
um, Kenneth Chalker, and he wrote this. He wrote something in the Christian Century that um, basically said this: that mainline Protestants have to reclaim basically their faith in, in a very robust way. I'm going to share a quote that he says. So he says this. Mainline Protestantism must make clear the real claim of Christ. Indeed, the only reason that Jesus has been remembered over the centuries is because God chose to raise Jesus from the dead. Jesus lives, and men and women in many diverse cultures and settings have seen him. Their hearts have been set on fire to proclaim that Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried. And then, because of God's mighty and singular act, Jesus was seen by some women preparing for a funeral, and then by a host of others, then and now. This is the message of the gathered people who are at once the visible body of Christ and the witnesses to the living presence of Jesus. As Jesus was raised, we who follow his way of love and radical obedience to God will be raised too. Or, as the late Robert Cushman of Duke Divinity School used to say in discussing Christian ethics, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Dismiss the class. There is nothing more to be said. Unquote. Preaching a living Jesus means that you are preaching something that can change the world. And he, Chalker goes on to say that... <clears throat> The mainline churches became mainline because of men and women who experienced Jesus and converted others, and that led them to build hospitals and to build colleges and orphanages to basically do good in our society. It wasn't do good first. It was that they had an experience with the risen Savior, and then they did these goods. They built all of these institutions. And if you've listened to anything here or read stuff, you know the importance that I have about institutions. And there is something to be said about the faith and how that can lead to building I think, up institutions that are needed in our society. He also, he concludes um, something here that I think is fascinating, and it says a lot about maybe the last 30 years of uh, both evangelicalism and mainline Protestantism. And Chalker says this, we did not allow this tradition to become a conversation about the historical Jesus or about church growth strategies. We dare not allow ourselves to be isolated in smaller and smaller circles of influence for private theological discussions, unquote. Mainline churches don't need to be duplicates of evangelical churches. Evangelical churches are evangelical churches, and they do that well. We don't need to try to imitate them. But we need to be able to preach Christ and to be passionate about our faith and take that faith in the living Christ, not a Jesus of history or a Christ of faith, but in the living Christ to go to feed the hungry, to love the outcasts, and to change the world. I want to lead a church 
where actually I can talk about sin. Where I can talk about the fact that I am not perfect. In fact, I am messed up, and so is everyone else. I want to lead a church where we can gather at the communion table and realize that it is at the table of the Lord that we celebrate the saving acts and presence of Christ. We celebrate it because it not because it's ritual, but because we need it. And I want to lead a church where we see ourselves as sinners, saved by grace, and where we see church, we see coming to church not as an obligation, but basically in the same way that those people who struggle with alcohol see in a, 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 a AA meeting. I think I'm not the only one that feels like that. Many of us are in churches that are in declining churches. And maybe we've all heard the message of what has been said. But, and we've internalized that, that we don't talk a lot about sin. We don't really even talk about why church is important. We just accept that people don't come to church all the time. And, and that culture is changing. And some of those things are true. Like I said, you can't deny some of those things. But that doesn't mean that this doesn't matter. I think that it matters a whole lot. I shared this in my sermon yesterday, and it's been rattling in my brain for weeks since I read it. And it's an essay I will put in the show notes from Frederica Matthews Green. And she writes about the fact of how we look at churches, of church shopping. Most of us, when we look at churches, we look at them the same way that we buy a car. And I just recently bought a new car. And you know how you do that. You, you look at what you want in the car, what it has. When you see that, you look and see what it has. If it doesn't have kind of the options that you want, you look for another one. And people do the same thing with churches. They come into a church. They look to see what they have. Do they have all these programs? And if they don't, then you move on to find a church that does. And she is suggesting something countercultural. She suggests that instead of trying to find the perfect church, the the church that meets your needs, is to instead come to a church, and even if it doesn't, isn't the most flashy church that maybe by staying put you might be able to revive a church that is near death. And so she suggests to find those people that might that do have some kind of a spiritual life and, and to connect with them and to get the church directory and just pray for each member. And it's not praying that they be more perfect, but just maybe praying and making yourself known that you know about them and that that um, God be aware of them. And that those things might change things, might turn things around. 
I began thinking about that a lot because I don't know how many people when you know churches are going down, we all leave for better pastures. And that's just kind of the way we do things. And I've also read sometimes a lot of these things about the importance of place and you know, especially about hometowns and what if people stayed in their hometowns instead of just up and leave. And there is something to be said to moving on to other places where there is more amenities and all that. So I don't want to make it sound like you must do it this way. But it would be nice at times if, just like it may be important for some people to stay in their hometowns, it would be nice for some people to maybe visit a church that is uh, down on their luck and isn't doing as well and see and stay there and maybe make a difference there in some way. In some ways, I wish that that were more possible because so often, especially in churches that are declining, there is this there's this feeling that you have to be everything and anything to the visitor coming so that they will find you interesting and, and stay. And of course, at the end of the day, you can't really do everything because you just can't. And I guess it would be nice at times to see someone who isn't necessarily interested in finding the church that meets their needs as much as it is to be at the church where God wants them to be and where they can serve God. Now, that doesn't mean that you go to a church where people are abusive or, you know, you're a black person and you go to a church where they don't like black people or something weird to that extent. But sometimes it does mean that we don't have to look and go for the biggest, shiniest thing that maybe there is there's honor in staying at those places that aren't as shiny because they're the ones that need help. And maybe you can help turn those churches around by engaging with the people who are there, by praying for them. I think it's about trying to be a servant instead of a consumer. There was a pastoral colleague that I know, and he this person said on their Facebook page that they don't come to church to hear a stump speech, to hear a political speech. They don't want to come for another program on how to fix the church. They don't come there to hear three, four, or five steps to a better anything. At the end of the day, they are there because they are in need of mercy. They want to know that God loves them. They need Jesus. And the fact is, so many people in our society today are in that same boat. They don't need to hear another political speech. 
They don't need to hear how you can have a better family, better whatever, better job. They just need mercy. They need to know that they are loved. They need to know that Jesus loves them. And at the end of the day, that's the message that the church needs to be about. To tell the people, to tell all of us, we need Jesus. Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And for it's been a while since I've done a commentary. This one is probably a little bit more religious than others. Um, and as I've said before, this is a religious podcast. So I'm a, as also a po- political podcast. So um, just to let you know about that. But thank you for listening. And I know that there are tons of other podcasts out there. Um that you are listening to and could be listening to. So I'm really thankful for your support in taking the time to listen. Again, if you have a chance, make sure to visit our website, enroutepodcast.org. While you're there, you can sign up to be on the mailing list of our newsletter, um, listen to past episodes, and also read some um, past articles that I've written. While you're also, you can also, while you're at that at the, at the website, make a, do, a monetary donation to support this podcast. There's no set donation. It's just a way of saying, if you are willing to help support it, I would be inter- very grateful. And just a reminder again, don't forget to subscribe to whatever platform you listen to. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify whatever one that you listen to. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a a rating or a written review on Apple Podcasts. That's it for this episode of Enroute, Notes on Religion, Politics, and Culture. Stay tuned for more interviews and commentary. I'm Dennis Sanders. Take care and Godspeed.